0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: probably what Diego Simeone is doing right now. Unbelievable. <laughs> Welcome everybody to our Champions League live recap Tuesday. James ben Jonathan Johnson is not here. I just say that automatically because I love you, JJ. James Bench, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. It's Tuesday. Two teams are in, and guess what? Some of you. Might be surprised. Lucho Garcia, we tip our hats off to you, my friend. Benfica beat Ajax in Amsterdam. And most importantly, as well, if you are a Manchester United fan or Atleti, for that sake, Diego Simone gets the job done and win. 2-1 in aggregate, one-nothing on the night against Manchester United. And goodbye, Cristiano Ronaldo. No Ronaldo, no Messi in the Champions League. It really feels like the beginning. Of something unbelievable. Welcome to Kegolasso. By the way, we have a one hundred dollar gift card today. Everybody, Ooh. to say thank you for being a returning viewer our a first Ooh. timer, and for helping us get to ten thousand subscribers. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, buddy?
2: Uh, I am just trying to absorb everything that I've just witnessed over the champions league in the round of 16 and uh fun fact for everybody. I'll start here with my discourse that Benfica have made more champions league quarterfinals than Manchester United in the last 10 years. They've done it wow. three times.
3: Manchester United's only done it twice.
1: Interesting. Uh, Heath Pierce, uh, how do you feel about that stat? Do you have a stat for me? Heath?
3: I, I don't, I'm being put on the spot to come up with the stat. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, but I'm good. I mean, what, a, what, a, what, what Another day of matches that were fantastic. And, uh, you know, like you said, the changing of uh, the tides. Shout out Robert Lewandowski, who is probably going to be a finalist again on the Ballon d'Or, only to fall short of somebody else.
1: <laughs> probably Messi another time. James Benge, what's up, buddy? How are you? How do you well, feel after witnessing what you just witnessed? Well, while we're all talking stats, um, yeah.
4: if I let you in on some... Behind the scenes action mm. from these. You
1: uh, are Benjamin, so I CBS, do expect the very CBS best.
4: Slack room. Yes.
1: I'm sure none of you
4: will need telling that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't do very much this game. Um, actually, myself and our editor and stats guru Mike Goodman uh, spotted about 65 minutes he hadn't had a shot yet, and spent about 10 minutes hurriedly trying to find when is the last time Cristiano's not had a shot in the Champions League uh, for him to then take a shot. A really bad one, and it was the only one he had all game, and totally re- I'll tell you later. I'll tell you when the last time he didn't have a shot was, but uh, really oh. ruined ruined our, my my uh, day that.
1: Yeah. And also, too, I remember you writing the article about, you know, that hat trick that he scored uh, against Tottenham as well. You know, it had been come. uh, It was a long time before he had even been that productive up to that point as well. So, you know, hey, Jimmy, do me a favor. Heath, are you going to be in the post show with uh, Ian and all that? I will. I will be. This is what I was talking about. When Ronaldo disappears from a game, the entire team suffers. The entire team suffers, and you can depend on that. So, Jimmy, I'll go to you. Let's talk about Manchester United losing to Atletico Madrid. Where do they go now? Uh, obviously, Arsenal yeah. looks a favor to go fourth as well. <laughs> yeah. so, do you we know. want to talk big picture? Do we want to talk about this game? Anywhere I, you I, want, man. Anywhere you
2: want. Talk well, you. well, yeah, big picture, I think it does help them focus just on trying to get in the top four, so now they can commit all that energy there. I think it is a disappointment, of course, and very disappointing for them to have this home game to maybe get a little fortunate that they had a draw after the first 90 minutes and not make more of it. They knew what Atletico was going to be about. They were going to concede a lot of possession. They were going to give you eh, the space where they feel comfortable giving you the space. But they happened to run into, also, I should make mention of, Jan Oblak deciding to be prime Jan Oblak. Uh, not, that, it's not what we've seen from him for most of the season because in their seven previous Champions League games, they have given up a goal. The only other draw or a clean sheet that they had out of these eight were that first game against Porto, which was, pff, I remember watching that one. and wanted all 90 minutes of my life back. But with this particular game, Jan Oblak was fantastic, and and he was really controlling the box. And when you know that your keeper's feeling like that, we see it with Bayern Munich as well. When Manuel is feeling it, they always have a chance in every single game because he can step up and make it happen. It's hard to know. I mean, when you look at the, the starting lineup, and I actually want to get everybody's thoughts here. You went with McTominay and Fred. McTominay. Hadn't played lately. Matic looked good against Spurs. Pogba had been looking pretty good as well. You bring Bruno Fernandes back into the team. He got subbed off, by the way, when he was kind of your talisman to get the first goal in leg one. I don't. It's interesting. I don't know what you guys thought about the starting lineup, but uh, some interesting choices to go back to
3: what basically what Ole Gunnar was doing before. I do like that Jimmy only calls it McFred when things are going well, and then he says he's like a, a uh, an upset parent that, like, when, I'm when that yeah, I'm theory. not, I'm yeah, you know, an upset parent that now he says them by the whole name, you know, including their middle names when when he when he speaks to them. And this I think thing. it
1: also works when you're criticizing them, actually.
3: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But I I will say that uh, you know some credit goes to Atlético Madrid in terms of showing a little bit of a bite that that we I mean we've seen it recently uh like very, very recently, but you know, showing some flashes of what's made them good and things that we've or at least I have have thought that they were lacking in terms of just being more difficult to play against. And again, Jan Oblak's a big part of that, right? Of of knowing when you have that confidence behind you of somebody who's going to make those big plays and step up and step out in tough moments. And when he leaves when he leaves his 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 goal line that he's going to make the right decisions over and over again. There's a confidence that comes with that that you build upon uh that I thought was uh impressive today. And then for, with regard to Manchester United, I don't even know where to start with, with this. You know, I, I think we get a little, uh, sweep a lot of the problems under the rug, looking at this, this lineup right here. And I think it's a great question from Jimmy of, 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 is this the right lineup? They went after Delo, uh, on, on the broadcast for, for him tucking in on, on, on the goal, nice. uh, which I, I wasn't against. I, I think he had to come in. There was three players in the box. There I think was, where's it, McGuire, I, it, yeah. dude. Anyway. It, like, it, yeah, it, you come in that far, you give up a back post. He's beyond the actual back post and and you know gets gets good clean t- contact on it. And I just thought of that while we were looking at at the lineup. But overall, it's just it still comes down to this. This when I when I was switching between the games and I was watching Ajax playing against a team, that was also very difficult to play against defensively. They were at least taking chances in and around the box. There was a rhythm to the way in which they were trying to break them down. And it was an exercise that you do in training all the time where you almost play numbers up against a defending group that's got to defend the box by any means necessary. And IX were creating a lot of chances. I know we're going to get to IX, But when I think about Manchester United and the numbers and the quality that they have in and around the box, it's almost like they lack this constant ability to be dangerous, rhythm, one-on-one dribbles, a number of things like that that I think are are just... I'm kind of mind-blown when I look at, again, the lineup that just we just showed, the, the team that they put out on the field, and then just the lack of that emphasis of, one, getting the most out of Ronaldo, but, two, other players... Uh, just being able to create moments of magic. It's Manchester United, and they're not creating mm-hmm.
1: that. Mm. Ng, Sorry, I
4: just got a facet. That, that stat I was just telling you uh, has now been updated. So I can now tell you this is the first Champions League game since 2011 uh, where Cristiano Ronaldo did not take a shot, um, mm. which I think goes goes to exactly what Heath was saying about how there was a, a real lack of creativity. And I don't think you kind of you can separate Ronaldo from that. It's just what you were saying, LME, when he's not on form, when he's moving away from the positions you want him to be in already. And this has happened in the space of less like nine months, less than nine months, Manchester United have been become a team that don't know what to do. If you put Cristiano Ronaldo in that team, they can only play to him. You Mm -hmm. know, it has turned Bruno Fernandes has gone from, kind of one of the most decisive players in, in in big games, I think, that the Premier League has and that Europe has into uh, a player who was a pretty significant hindrance across two legs. Um, Wait,
2: would you say, Bench, really quick that it's because he defers his alpha male status to Cristiano Ronaldo because he does the same thing with Portuguese national yeah. team where he just isn't the same guy. He doesn't take over the same way. And I feel like there's some alpha male
3: going the, on. The, 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 Benj, but the other thing I wanted to throw in on that is, as you mentioned that, when you go back to the first few games of the season before Ronaldo had arrived and you saw Mason Greenwood playing with Bruno Fernandes, there was mm-hmm. something budding there in terms of one checking in one going into the space being able to stretch a defense knowing you keep defenses honest and then you were like okay now we've got Jaden sancho that can step on into the wing and you started to see the puzzle pieces coming together and some really brief flashes of like okay this team has an identity in the way in which they attack as soon as he got there then everybody becomes i've played with a few star players that have that much energy whether they want to or not Thanks, uh, not obviously uh I yeah Jimmy, Jimmy Conrad won <laughs> never at the level of Cristiano Ronaldo but you always Whoa, hear about Jimmy. you know yeah yes. these players and and just the gravitas around them and the pressure and the nerves and the just how much life they can suck out of everybody both for the good and the bad hmm. i just you know wanted to point out those first few early games before he arrived there was something there, at least what I was watching.
1: Yeah, I just yeah. want to make something very clear here. And Bench, I'll let you uh, chime in. And thank you so much, everybody, for the comments. We're reading them and we want to comment on it. Obviously, a lot to discuss, especially if you are a Manchester uh, United fan. Listen, the, the point that I was trying to make on pregame, and I'm making it now again, and I'm telling Jimmy to please make sure uh, be my stand-in uh, when he goes back to post uh, and talks uh, about this, is that it's not about Ronaldo. It's about the decision to bring him in and sort of miss out on certain areas in the pitch that needed way more strengthening. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're joking about McFred, but like the midfield is a massive part that needed to be fixed very early on. So my point was you bring Ronaldo and it's a bandaid on a gunshot wound. It's like he's going to score you goals. He's going to get you to a certain level. But when he doesn't deliver then what happens the entire team sort of sort of falls flat which is what what you guys are talking about when it comes to Bruno Fernandes and then you see less productivity with Jadon Sancho you know uh you don't know what to do when it comes to Elanga or even Marcus Rashford has faltered so much so you know it's it's a massive issue and I'm it's not about Ronaldo it's about it the decision to put him there tell him I mean, Benj,
2: it is yeah, tell him go binge. ahead
1: James he, he, but he's just you know whether deliberately
4: i'm certain it's not deliberate but he is inhibiting players around him; they cannot help. But and I, you know, I don't know. I've not played the game. I mean, Ethan and Jimmy can explain this far better. But you can you can just feel that this team is feels subservient to Ronaldo, and when he yeah. goes wandering off, and I mean, but you are absolutely right, LME, that you know it, it's not his fault that they signed him. It's not his fault that they got carried away by emotions. And I still, you know, with my uh, Charlie from It's Always in Sunny uh, meme. I still see all these things that lead to Manchester City never wanted to sign Ronaldo, but they thought they could bait Man United into doing it. It's the. Uh, I like It's, my the, great it's great Always Sunny yeah.
1: comparison. That's good. That's good.
4: Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, I mean, United were never going to address the midfield anyway. That's not what they want. You know, they don't want, they want to make emotional signs. They want statement signings. You know, does anyone doubt that, like, come the summer, they're gonna be going all in for Haaland, they're gonna be going all in for Harry Kane, and that then in the end they'll go, Whoa, oh, I suppose we need to buy a defensive midfielder. I suppose we need to to look at a right back that actually kind of contributes anything both in attack and defense. Um, because right now I thought, you know, we'll go back to what Jimmy was asking right at the top about the eleven that was selected. I didn't have many complaints with it. Maybe you play Pogba instead of uh, Fernandez, and you know, but but aside from that, so like I- maybe you drop Maguire. But besides I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> what else do you
2: do? Yeah, it was funny when Maguire stayed in when they were making all these subs. You know, he 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 made some significant subs. I'm like, why not keep Fred on and go to a back three? And then Fred or Matic can slide into your your into your back four if you need to get into that kind of formation that you're comfortable with. It, it was interesting, some interesting choices from Rangnick. And obviously, if 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 Elanga scores that one that hits off a of face early, or if he scores that one right after halftime and gets the game even. We're probably talking about this a little bit differently because it lets probably went there for one goal, only had one goal in them, and they got it. And, and yeah, it's tough. I mean, I look at this team, and and as somebody said in the comments, is Tellez, McTominay, are those are the guys that are going to go win you trophies? Like when you look at that team, that's my point. Yeah, that's no, my point. Well, that's, that's the thing. You signed Ronaldo though, yeah. and and and. He is a guy that's won trophies, and he can bring that, but he's not surrounded by the players yeah. that can match that level and Jimmy, or that level of intensity. Jimmy, or even you and
1: I talked about it. Remember when we did an episode, literally as it happened, we did an emergency episode, and we'll put our hands up. We were like, wow, this elevates United. This makes them at least a little bit stronger in terms of, at the very least, from an offensive standpoint. It'll alleviate the pressure when it comes to the other players. Obviously, back then, Mason Greenwood was still in the council. We were like talking about all the things that he's going to be able to help right. with. And we put our hands up, at least I did, and said I was wrong because uh, United, you know, needed so many other things. And by the way, thank you so much uh, for all your comments. Keep them coming. We need more and more likes. More because likes. We can give you a Paramount Plus uh, gift card, by the way. So keep yeah. on liking. Go ahead, we just
2: need 100 likes. What I'll say is I've seen a lot of comments, whether it's on this platform or on, on you know, Pod, when you're hitting us up on Twitter or whatever it is, that, that Manchester United need to just restart. Well, in some ways they were, they went out and got Jaden Sancho, right? They went and got a young player and then they bought Ronaldo. And it kind of, I think to your point, LME, it just kind of made everything stop and get a little static because they had, they were trying to build around a younger player. And obviously at some point they were going to move on from Cavani and maybe save some money to go get a Holland or somebody else or Vlahovic or whoever. And, and then the Ronaldo thing came and what were they supposed to do with that? I mean, the guy's still scoring a bunch of goals, but, but I think it is uh really detracts from maybe a plan that they had that just got stopped. I don't know. It's, it's interesting times for man
3: United. It's not his fault, but Rashford hasn't been the same, right? You brought in a guy directly in, in, in kind of competition. Martial, uh, wasn't the same. Mason Greenwood wasn't the same because Mm -hmm. he started playing in a different position. Jaden Sancho was part of working him in and, and, and hasn't, hasn't really found himself yet at the form. And again, none of that's Ronaldo's fault. But like you said, it basically hits a pause on whatever the project was, wherever they were going, whatever these signings meant, it, it 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 hit the pause button on that. And I think that's problematic. If you watch the way the team plays, anywhere in and around the box, the only person they're looking for is where's Ronaldo in the box? Where can we whip the ball to him on the back post? Where is he in the middle of the box? Because at times when you have a player this big, a clap from you trying to play that person is worth more than playing the right pass, right? The good pass mm-hmm, or the right mm-hmm. pass. And... I swear to you, if you watch it, everybody's got that tunnel vision because you're playing with Ronaldo. Mm. He's one of the greatest players ever. And he's your best chance of scoring that everything becomes like a, in and around the box, like satisfy Ronaldo, satisfy the team, get the ball closer to the goal. It's a really weird dynamic. And, and it was to be expected. And then when you think about that with regard to the project, the project, again, stands still until you can move beyond this Ronaldo era. He's one of the greatest players ever. You can't just you you can't just decide like oh we'll get him in on the he's going to buy in on this thing where we're going right now no everything revolves around him because he's what what he's capable of doing in any game at any time unfortunately that means he has to be able to do that at any game and any time at every game and every time and that's just not a recipe
2: really quick before ben chops in uh, this is the first time cristiano ronaldo will not finish a season with a club trophy since the 2009 2010
4: season wow <laughs> He is breaking records today. <laughs> I think we should probably, um, as much as God, I could, you know, talk about decline of Manchester United and how they can. fit. I would very much enjoy talking about that. Um, but maybe we should hit on Atletico, who were just like 100% pure, unbridled Atletico. It was really interesting on the UK broadcast out here. Paul Scholes was basically saying, if you put, if you swap the managers around, uh, Manchester United win this tie comfortably because Diego Simeone knows how to point. win these. he yeah. knows how to win these ties mm-hmm. you know and it is by making them pretty much unwatchable like <laughs> absolute horror shows yeah. and you could say you could sense like what's amazing I thought what was so impressive about this game was how they turned Old Trafford against Manchester United you know I wasn't there but everyone was sort of you could and you could hear First half, real buzzing atmosphere. And we we forget, United were good until that goal. Like, United were playing well. They were Mm -hmm, assertive. mm -hmm, They had mm -hmm. the ball just where they wanted it. They had play just where they wanted it. And Atleti scored, and they just ruined the game as a spectacle. And the Manchester United fans were losing their cool, turning on the referee, who wasn't great. But, you know, Atleti put pressure on the referee. They put pressure on the home fans. And then they put pressure on the players by just being intolerable and it's brilliant and it's going to be really tough for whoever else has to play them and you know much credit to them equally I thought Rodrigo de Paul like balanced that really well with some creativity Koke was magnificent I think they're a much better team with Mm -hmm. with him in but uh yeah I I really really don't want to have to watch their two quarterfinal ties if (laughs) I'm kind (laughs) of I'm kind of hoping for a
2: Madrid Derby quarterfinal over that that would be that that would would be pretty special but but what I'll say very quickly was that there was a mid like a middle block that man united were trying to get into when when they sat back or they decided we're not going to press in this particular instance they set up in this mid block and elletti had scored 5 minutes earlier but it was offside barely yorente just got started a little bit too much, and Joao Fields yeah, scored that. Yeah. And I feel like what they did was they played through the low block. They did a little in, back, and through. Koke, to your point, Benz was magnificent, and he was the catalyst of getting this ball through midfield and creating that opportunity and all of a sudden breaking that pressure, that mid-block, and and springing and getting in behind, right? There, there's only a few times we saw either team really get in behind the other team, and that was one of those instances. And I think that gave it, let a little bit of belief because when you see it five, six minutes later, it's the same thing. A little in, back, and through that starts the play. Joel Felix goes in there. And then, obviously, Manchester United cue the circus music just start staring at the ball and stop looking at where everybody is to mark. And Greasy Griezmann puts one into the back post. That's what I like to call him, Greasy Griezmann. <laughs> and, and, you know, it just – everything – everybody was kind of in the half space. Alex Tellis doesn't have that urgency to get out to Griezmann to really yeah. put Look the pressure this on Look at the right here. Mag- yeah, Maguire – yeah, the whole sequence was, was good, but they they did really well of getting through that low block and they had done it five minutes earlier and I feel like that gave them the confidence to do it again. And again, it's a Diego Simeone special to win 1-0. When you have Jan Oblak playing like he is in goal and he's really dominating his box and you can see all of his teammates giving him kisses on the head. I was like, man, that must be pretty cool to be Yano Block and all these kisses from Atleti players. But but uh, that's how how Tremendous' his performance was. He made some lucky saves. He made the saves that he needed to make. We had really seen that from him at least consistently this season.
1: Yeah, Cholo did what he does best, frustrate. And that's exactly, uh, you know, what happened in this game. Uh, let's circle back to Manchester United. Uh, there's, you know, one more thing to really, well, there's a lot of things to discuss. But, you know, let's make this a nice uh, conversation. This is a call to action for everybody and jesus thank you so much uh for for your question because that's literally where i'm going okay uh i want to i want to discuss about this united squad as i mentioned early on you know they're out of the champions league it looks like they won't get champions league spot for next season we'll see there's still some games to be played but we'll see but regardless uh it will not be the manager after this season so a lot of things have to happen in order to rebuild. How do you do that? Where do you focus on? We don't have to go player by player, but I mean, it's clear that we all have a specific focus area in this lineup that needs work. Where do we go? Heath, let me start with you. Manchester United, what do you do? You, you, you got the money. You're the sporting director. Where do you go first?
3: Uh, man, that is a really good question. I mean, you're right up the spine all the way through. You're in trouble right now. Uh, literally from goalkeeper all the way through to the top, there's an opportunity to rebuild. And uh, what I go, go back to, and I'll, and I'll pick one line or one focus here in a second is I don't know what the expectation, uh, uh, for Ralph was when he, when he, when he came in then, because it's not like he's had autonomy. You've now got the perfect opportunity to rebuild, but you're not going to. You're going to keep on thinking that you can rebuild while doing the same thing that you, you've always done. And that's the problem where Manchester United is stuck right now. You could rebuild. You could clean house. You could change all these things. But you don't, as a fan or as a club or as an organization, with the size of the club, at a certain point, you got to make the decision to rebuild the right way, which means you need the right sporting director, the right manager, and then you got to start building your team the right way around a philosophy, a system of play, a style of play. And I don't think they're ever going to do that because the expectation is, Is Champions League or bust. It's uh, challenging for a title or bust, which it's currently bust uh, consistently at the moment. And it's impossible to rebuild without actually committing to rebuilding. You don't get to go and say, you know what, we'll change uh, McTominay and Fred and maybe Pogba and we'll bring in uh, a couple other big name midfielders and, and that'll fix things. Because if you just look across the board, you just have a bunch of individuals and none of them geared to play any which way that seems cohesive towards moving towards something of significance in terms of winning trophies or winning titles. And so at a certain point, when I, when, when you go back to when they brought in Rolf Rangnick, I was excited because I was like, oh, there might actually be some autonomy here to make some tough decisions. Bench Ronaldo, if you had to, which you were never going to do, uh, you know, uh, Paul Pogba, okay, out, you move some players in January transfer window, great, but you're still stuck with the same core issues. And until you're willing to give up results to be able to do that, which I think, Arsenal has gotten rounded the corner of just saying, eventually, now we're going to play young. We're going to go young. And if it, it bites us in the ass, that's okay. But at least we're going to stick to something. Instead, Ronaldo's stuck in this hole. Well, we've got the players and we're close, but we're really far from anything significant. And it's, that's not a rebuild, you know? And, and so when I, when I think about where you need to start, I think about going right up the spine, but I do think owning, winning midfield battles. is just such an important part of the winning the premier league. It's such an important part of, of doing well in Europe. And right up that spine. And again, I, I'm confused as to where I want to stick because as soon as I said midfield battles, I'm like change your center backs, um, mm-hmm. change your goalkeeper, change your strikers. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to go with the central midfield now of just upping the, the quality of that because on their day they can be decent, but it's not it's not centered or built around a certain style of play or way in which you want to win games or leadership and those types of things. That I'm saying, like if you could, if you could start there, I think it's a, it's an okay starting point.
4: I mean, he's mentioned Arsenal and I mean, you don't want to kind of fall into recency bias, but they have just been in the sort of situation um, United. Are, and, you know, like like he says as well, there are a million and one ways you can kind of look at this. You know, I saw one of our comments there praising David De Gea. And yes, he's a, he's a fantastic shot stopper this season. But when you see him with the ball at his feet, you feel like he's a player that modern football has passed by. One might say the same thing about... Some of, the, some of the stuff Bruno Fernandez does, where he plays like, especially on the ball, he just plays like a, a 10 with no responsibility. I think though, really, and I know we said this about PSG as well, this is an attitude thing. What do you expect to see over the coming 48 hours? You're going to see all sorts of newspaper stories about how the ex-player has let, feels like, has let down the dressing room, that's what his teammates feel, or ex-player feels let down by by his teammates and so on and so forth gary neville complains about this all the time Like that's a culture thing and you need to pretty much if you see what arteta did at arsenal and you see what klopp did at liverpool as well you have to you know clean ship a lot yeah. of players have to go even good players who deliver for you because you just need a new environment you know you, you it was one of the things actually Ole Gunnar Solskjaer kind of was getting right on occasion. It seemed mm-hmm. like a, a good place where players were happy with each other, but that's where I think it it is much deeper rooted than just buying more players. They've been buying more players for donkey's years and it hasn't
3: fixed anything. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I add in one more note on that? I think the turning point, with regard to and i don't mean to bring arsenal into this conversation but i think it is relevant well, yeah, yeah. In, in a sense of like i mean i really want to i'm just not meaning to uh, purposely <laughs> they just happen to be a relevant uh comparison is getting rid of albami for free after being the one who says i'm going to double down on this guy give him the biggest numbers or wages we've ever given before i think was a telling sign of again that rounding of a corner of saying there's something actually happening here. We're building something. And if you're not on the bus, you're off the bus and, and doing that, that man United is going to have to go through this, uh, a horrible chain of events that happens when you're, when you're rebuilding that it's going to take some tough decisions. There's going to be some club legends like a De Gea where you go, well, he's actually done really well. He's done a great service. Give him his testimonial if you have to, but like, at a certain point, you've got to move on with just fresh eyes, fresh blood, somebody else, like just a whole new group of people uh, that, that I think is going to require some of these players that are legends and well-respected and loved and adored by the fans and, and, and the club uh, mm-hmm. are going to have to move on with that as well. Unfortunately.
2: Well, I think it's going to be easy Harry McGuire, send it back to Leicester. Ronaldo's not going to play in the Europa league. So he's gone. Cavani's probably out. You can move on from some of all the other players. I think you go get, you go get, if you want to spend some money, then just fix the spine of the team. You go get some younger players that have tremendous upside that are actually been proven winners. So go to Lille. You got Jonathan David up top. He can fill a hole. He knows how to score goals. You can get Sven Bottman in the back, 6'4", center back, young, upside. Go get Jude Bellingham from Dortmund. You can go play with Jadon Sancho again. Go get Ryden Gravenberch from Ajax. There's plenty of players that you can go out there that can spruce this team up and maybe elevate everything. But they have a lot of holes, and that's part of the issue is that they committed a lot of energy to players that maybe just aren't good enough. And maybe not definitely not good enough for Manchester United, at least how we like to look back on them romantically. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions. Obviously, we could fill a whole podcast just talking about Man United. But we'll stop it here because there's another team that did pretty well today. They're named Penfica.
1: That's very, very true. But excellent, excellent commentary from you three about this game and what happens to Manchester United in the future. We've got a call to action, by the way, before we go to break. Tell us how you would fix manchester united if you were in charge keep it pg all right okay <laughs> just just did let you say tell us no. did you say tell us <laughs> like, uh, yeah. How, how yeah. The yeah. yeah there you go i like it i like it we're gonna take a break here Lasso, champions league tuesday rica when we come back as jimmy mentioned uh a good win in amsterdam and no it did not come from the one that you think Gego Lasso, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench will be right back. Robert
0: Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal
1: Welcome back, everybody. Champions League Tuesday recap. James bench Jimmy Conrad, Heath, Pierce. Uh, here's my read for the evening. Que golazo, listeners. We want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge game. I'll be there. Jimmy will be there. Heath will be there. James promises me that it will be there. Um, and we will all be there. We want you as well. Join us at cbsports.com forward slash golazo brackets. And the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount+. Plus. You're able to watch the NCAA tournament games on Paramount+. Plus tons of soccer from the champions league to Concacaf, golf majors in the spring and nfl football in the fall also we're excited for the debut of halo which is streaming march 24th exclusively on paramount plus head to Paramountplus.com forward slash halo to try it for free but let's get back to those brackets one by wait, the way
2: by Jim, the way i did this this morning and it was emotional it is <laughs> like i've
4: done mine I mean, take <laughs> you
2: just, I mean, you want to be competitive and you're like reading all the notes and stuff and you're like, oh yeah, well they played pretty well. And they wow, they finished with a 15 and one streak to end the season. They just won their league tournament. Yeah. I got to go with them. And then it's a lot know, of it's, work. It's hard. It's, it is, but it's awesome because you, you get competitive. And of course you want to flex on everybody once you're a champion. Like I'm kidding.
1: absolutely like I did, uh, against my wife's, uh, primary school, elementary school. Uh, uh yeah, that was learned a so. lot
2: about you right now. Ellen. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> anyway, make sure you create a group to compete against friends and fill out your brackets for the chance to win a trip to the 2023 Final Four. It's free to enter. You can play on the CBS Sports app or at cbsports.com forward slash golasso brackets. All right, Champions whoa, League. Whoa, 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 yeah, go ahead, I'm not, James.
4: I'm not done with bracket talk. I need to check I've done this right. <laughs> so, Jimmy, I know you said I, I should go for, I should back UCLA. You should. Um, if I've done this right, not all the, the way, James right? Bench. Well, I mean, they well, got to the I've final them, four last year. I've got them losing to Duke. Is that acceptable? Everyone, you know what? G That's G, very right?
2: romantic of you to go with Coach K in his last season. But okay, no, I've, I've
4: done my research. That's Coach pretty K good, K, James. It. That's What's, not bad. What,
1: yeah.
3: what is uh, UCLA seated? Duke is two, right? They're they're uh, UCLA's four. Okay.
1: But you you know Duke is uh, with Coach K entering his final. March Madness, so there could be a romantic uh, appeal to that. But Jimmy's right. UCLA made it to the Final Four last year, and they're, they're a very good team. Gonzaga's the number one, I feel. I feel like they're a, they're a good machine. They're the favorites. But if you want to win March Madness, you got to gamble, James Bench. you got to be a little... Hey, James Bench, Lord, you Lord, love Lord. the NBA, don't you? Penny well, so, hard, so, 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 Hardaway's in this bracket. Isn't Gonzaga... Haven't they got that really tall, skinny yeah. center? Yeah. Who's the
4: seven
2: a foot ball? one
1: unicorn, that's right.
2: Yeah. he's the Shren, he's the shven botman of college basketball <laughs> i
1: can't wait for the knicks to draft him and uh, yeah I, and then still lose still lose <laughs> yeah exactly but uh we, there you have it everybody How you matt norlander i'm sorry but this is where you get your college basketball info <laughs> by the way all right we've got some comments here regarding uh manchester united still Conte. Or Pochettino as manager. Thank you so much for that comment. Uh, I would buy a quick center back, decide on a goalkeeper, sign a right winger, DM, and a and change coach. That's a long laundry list there. Thank you so much. But let's go back to that first question, by the way. Conte or Pochettino? Or is there anybody else that you would bring in? I mean, Eric Ten Hag is probably available now. Uh let's go around the table very quick. Uh Heath, who would you oh, bring Oh man, I'm so glad you didn't come I don't first. know. <laughs> like quick. Quick, uh, I'm not uh, okay. asking you to like give me an essay, yeah. Is...
3: Just uh, go with uh, uh, I gave you a list of three, right? Okay. Conte
1: is done with Tottenham, he wants to go, Pochettino's done with PSG, he wants to go, Eric Ten Hag wants a new challenge. Who do you pick out of those uh, three?
3: Give me Ten Hag.
1: yeah, there you go, okay, Jimmy,
2: yeah, Kote wouldn't come, Poch- uh, Pochettino, nah, I don't, I don't buy him actually saving anything at United, I'll go Ten Hag. I think at least he's got. Some different ideas and a little bit of that Ajax DNA, which and he's a former centre back as a player, so obviously I'm a big fan.
0: <laughs>
4: James Bench. Um I'm torn between two: uh, either Graham Potter or Ralph Hasenhuettel.
2: Those weren't the options, Benjamin. I'm having yeah. them. I'm yeah. having <laughs> one of them.
4: Um, I'd say Graham Potter. I think like you kind of, it, it's I don't want to sort of go Man United DNA because it doesn't really mean anything. Didn't,
2: hasn't Brighton but, lost five games straight
4: for the first time yeah, in their but, history? But that's like suddenly become a thing that we would criticize them for. Like, I'm that just time, saying, I'm just saying. Hey,
1: yeah. that would mean that Manchester United finally gets Moises Caicedo, I think. Maybe that would be uh, if he, he brings him along with him. So it's Bring Danny Weldick, Huck, everybody. With him as well. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Luis,
2: Luis Enrique. How about
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, after the World Cup, you never know, but no, that's not? November. So, anyway, keep them coming, these comments. I love it. Let's talk about the next game. Ajax was pretty much everybody's favorite to definitely go through when this fixture originally came out. And then in the first leg, a 2-0 result, and you thought, well, Ajax are at home, they're in Amsterdam, Jimmy Conrad, it should be fine. And look what happened. Plucky, plucky Benfica and Darwin Nunez get that goal 3-2 in aggregate. Your thoughts.
2: I'll start with a stat that I found because I love the stats. Uh, Ajax have failed to win their last nine home games in the knockout stage of the Champions League. Five losses, four draws. And the signs have been there because when we look at Eric Ten Hag's tenure of the team, he took charge of them when they had that really special season, 2018-2019. They were up 3-0 after three halves against Spurs in the Champions League semifinals. Then Lucas Moura scored two goals and then scored the 96th minute to have Spurs go to the final. I'm still bitter about it because Ajax-Liverpool in the final would have been immensely more entertaining than that final that I saw. The only Champions League final I've ever been to was Boring AF. I just want to throw that out there. And then the following season for Ajax under Ten Hag, they get knocked out by Hitafe in the round of 32 in the Europa League. Round of 16 next year, excuse me, quarterfinals of the Europa League against Roma. They're better than all these teams. And somehow they find a way to lose. I don't understand it. So again, now we fast forward to here. Benfica, they're up 1-0 in complete control. They've won all their games so far. Then they have an own goal. Way to go, Sebastian Allaire. Then they score. He makes it. Okay, he makes amends, Gets it to 2-1. They let them get back into the game. They give them some belief to make it 2-2. And they can't get the job done at home. It's crazy. They play well. They're aesthetically pleasing. Everybody mm. loves the way that they play. But that doesn't always translate into results, which is actually in stark contrast to what we see with Diego Simeone and Atleti. Never aesthetically pleasing, but somehow gets the result. And so that's what kind of pisses me off about Ajax. It hasn't translated into any real tangential success in europe yes it, it looks great and they have players that people want in their team but talk to donnie Beek; that hasn't really worked out and and then so you know but but it's just they're not getting to the finish line and maybe ten hog does have to move to try to go prove himself somewhere else
4: yeah i agree with everything <laughs> jimmy said but like
2: just i love i love the contrast and <laughs> energy That's well, what can I?
4: How can I match Jimmy's energies? No, I'm,
2: all, I'm, all, I'm, all, Yeah, too much caffeine over
4: here. Um, <laughs> how? Yeah, it's exactly. It's not eleven o'clock at night. You, <laughs> I, I suppose that's a good you know, point. <laughs> these games, like they happen sometimes. If you kind of, you would almost have said, other than you know the quite important part of putting the ball in the net for seventy five minutes, Ajax were playing this game perfectly. They were getting a lot of shots. They weren't amazing shots, but they were they were getting their efforts and um you know with 75 minutes played benfica had three shots worth of combined 0.07 xg one of them uh from nicolas otamendi which i, I can't remember was a 0.0 xg shot i didn't think they existed um, <laughs> I won, like pretty much every spot on the well they do
1: james <laughs>
4: but you know stuff happens like you get you get dumb by the one good chance that your opponent has. And, I mean, and then you're out of the Champions League.
1: I'm with, I'm with you, but to Jimmy's point, there is something about, and it's kind of similar to PSG, I think. Like, you know, when you're so used to be dominating in a specific domestic league, you got to realize that, the moment you enter the Champions League, it's it's you can't just you can't just be a pretty painting. Sometimes you really gotta go out at them and and be a little pluckier. Did you see that today from IX? Did you see that they were at least uh you know going for a plan B if 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 plan A wasn't working? But plan A, I mean but plan A's
4: always worked. So the right. difference between Ajax and PSG is that IX have played really good football. They have like outperformed what we expected of them. Um and then they just they they just ran into a brick wall. Like, and I and I I don't doubt that when that Darwin Nunez goal goes in, I'm certain that some of the players that have been around longer can't help but think, "Oh no, this is happening to us again, just mm. like it's happened to us before." But like, and there was an just... amazing
1: save in the last second from uh, Vlachodimos, the the Benfica keeper, as well. Like, yeah, the, I mean, the, uh, fortune did favour Benfica, but fortune favours the brave, as they also. So they weren't brave. <laughs> <laughs> they were braved. Well, I mean, they defended you know, well. James, you're but, not going to give Benfica credit here. They were so plucky. They were so resilient. They huge. were like, they were good in Amsterdam too. Like, I, you know, you got to give them credit.
4: Yeah, yeah, of course. No, they, they deserve huge credit because it, they. That's how they came out to play to keep it tight to nick mm. a one nil, and it's worked. So okay. they des- <laughs> they deserve credit. All I'm sort of saying is, it's you know, I you know, it's super easy to to work backwards from the result, but. I think that if you can play that game through again, Ajax probably win win it.
3: My only argument about where where Ajax is right now and where I think Ten Hag needs a new challenge is that this year was a little bit different in the fact that they built a team that was a little bit older. Normally, when Ajax goes out, you go, well, you know, young players, they're going to sell on. They have turnover every year. They're selling their best two or three. You know, it's sort of been the story, but they brought in Hilaire. On the team, they've got just looking at some of their players that aren't super young. Tadic, Daily Blind, you've got uh, Bergwis, you've got Claussen. You know, you've got, a, you've got a number of these players that are not young and they kind of built this team a little bit more to what seems like withstand a match like this. To be able to go one step further, one step closer to doing something spectacular. Instead of being this story developmental football academy where they can... Out punch most teams and then ultimately go out in 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 the in the quarterfinals, round of sixteen, semifinals. Wow, unbelievable! Just a step away. This seemed like okay. We're a step away. Let's add some pieces, right? You bring in Hilaire, their biggest ever uh, incoming uh, transfer for 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 Ajax, and they put it all into this basket that didn't work out on a date. They completely dominated this game, but it came down to uh, as Benj mentioned just a moment, and 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 they're out. But it did have a different feel this year where they were almost coming into this challenging for a trophy or at least mentally thinking that they can do this as opposed to being like, okay, Cinderella run the year before is a Cinderella run this year. They were built to be a little bit better and a little more resilient against opponents to just be a contender instead of a, an underdog or a Cinderella run story. And, and unfortunately it it ends up being the same story as, as, as years before when they had significantly younger and more inexperienced players on the field.
2: Yeah. What, I'll jump in, what I'll jump in and say really quickly is that Ajax also play against Feyenoord this week. They had a big lead, not a relatively big gap in, in, in the Eredivisie, their domestic uh, competition. But now it's down to two points over PSV. And they play Feyenoord, who's in third, who are only eight points behind them. And now it's getting a little tight. And now we're talking about this Ajax team who had won six out of six games in the group stages. So there are only a handful of teams that have ever done that in the history of the competition. And all the three of them happened this particular year with Liverpool and Bayern Munich and Ajax, but there's just something I feel like they're lacking. And which is what I said before. It's just like that killer instinct to see teams out, even when they're dominating. Barcelona used to suffer from this when they were in their peak as well. Like sometimes they would dominate teams, but never they're looking for that perfect goal instead of that sloppy one. That's almost, it almost hurts their pride. Like, I don't, I don't even want to play if I have to score a sloppy goal. I just want to score pretty goals, you know? And, and I feel like there's moments where they just need to get a little sloppy, get a little bit dirty, and mm. figure out a way to get the ball and tumble it over the line. They have scored those goals, of course, but I don't feel like that's what they're looking for. It's not in their DNA to play that style. And sometimes you just have to whip the ball in, you know, with 15, 20 minutes left, as ugly as it may be, and, and try to get on the back of the net, kind of like Benfica did.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in many ways, they are victims of their own domestic success. Um, all right, let's uh, keep going here because we want to touch on a few more uh, subjects, uh, headlines. Before we say goodbye here, but uh, Bench, uh quickly on Chelsea. No. Uh, you were going to make me talk about this again. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I'm going to make what you talk Yeah, what's the latest? Happened? Yeah, is an update. Uh, There's
2: something happening with Chelsea. <laughs> I haven't even heard.
1: Yeah, they, 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 their bus got stuck in the middle. Of oh, <laughs> you got <Bench>, to <laughs> drive somewhere
2: in the bus, oh, so just, just
1: very quickly, talk to me about the FA Cup thing. It's done, right? Chelsea have uh, rescinded their. Uh, yes yeah in
4: many ways we kind of the, the we, we end the day the same way we started it which is Chelsea are actually going <laughs> Nothing to play to see
1: here
4: right yeah yeah just a, a weird wobble in the mo in the middle where for five hours Chelsea were insisting that Middlesbrough ought to shut the gates to the Riverside Stadium for which they have a uh, capacity crowd which is a very rare occurrence for them since they've been relegated for the Premier League um sold out gonna be a brilliant atmosphere there but Due to uh, the involvement of their owner in um, or the close links between their owner and and, and Vladimir Putin, Chelsea are under sanction. Chelsea can't sell tickets. So their reasoning was then uh, that neither should uh, neither should Middlesbrough.
3: Middlesbrough shouldn't have fans at the it's game. It's not of Chelsea fair,
2: Ben. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. That's me paraphrasing. Huh. The, they, they
3: said it's, it's chalked up to sporting integrity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you see what Middlesbrough said
1: back to that? They no. were like, nah, <laughs> they, yeah. gave him, they gave them the stringer bell, like glasses, like, oh, are you serious? <laughs> like, no. Nah. One of the most brutal <laughs> statements
4: in response I've ever seen. You know, this is like something out of uh, the library in RuPaul's Drag Race. They
1: put those, uh, <laughs> yeah.
4: they put those okay, shades so, on and they read nice Chelsea.
1: So very quick, James, Lille-Chelsea, does this affect it or do you still see Chelsea going through?
4: No, Chelsea will be fine for this game. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it doesn't help that Lille are without Renato Sanchez. I think that's a bit of a blow. Um mm-hmm. Like, it's going to come home to roost. So I don't think it will affect uh, the Lille game. But then, you know, they're going to have to take a 10-hour a t- round trip to Middlesbrough at the weekend. That's going to be hovering over things. No one's going to be looking forward to that. Credit, I must say, that one of the few good things that came out today from a Chelsea perspective. Kai Havertz, great guy. Um, spoke to him in his presser, and he also said uh, he'll, he's happy to pay for his own travel, which is probably a bit of a relief for Chelsea going forward because they <laughs> might need a few. With, with, with
2: Roman Abramovich's effect. money.
1: Yeah, exactly. he's well, paying indeed. for his
2: travel with Roman. Abri- okay, I'm just uh, making sure I'm, I'm uh, connecting the dots here. But. I just want to make
1: sure we don't get you know, yeah, uh, we got legal
4: on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, um, very uh, a question for Jimmy from Dan about the you know, thoughts on uh, Newcastle versus Chelsea. Here we go, Jimmy. How mad were you yesterday? Uh, You know, Kai Havertz shouldn't even
2: have been on the field, okay? If you want me to have my little, I'm going to get on my stump here for 30 seconds and say that he crushed Dan Byrne in the face as someone who suffered that, got my jaw broken by Clint Dempsey with similar elbows, had to retire from the game due to concussions because of elbows and punches to the face. I had a big issue with that. And then Kai Havertz, of course, goes on to show up Dan Byrne. And that didn't make me feel very good because I know what that's like to be that center back and you're trying to one-up a striker and it doesn't work out for you. Dan Byrne
3: had a hole in the side of his head. Like it was like it like it was the actual hole that opened up later on in the match. That was so a yeah, bit I'm a little scary. bitter, uh, I'm a little bitter, Dan Kane.
1: Yeah, well, there you have it. Well, there's uh, your answer, Dan. Uh, there you go. Uh, thank you for that. All right. Listen, very quickly, Spotify comp now. Uh, thoughts on that? That's what they're renaming the stadium.
2: Yeah, Mesquite I'm waiting for Apple, Apple Music, Santiago Bernabeu. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Apple music
4: Apple. Santiago
2: Bernabeu.
4: Apple Music Santiago Bernabeu. I can't believe Jimmy took that moment because i've been workshopping mess K and club banger
2: so. sorry, man. <laughs> oh, man, i tweeted sorry. i didn't realize
1: more, i tweeted more than a club playlist just because uh you know it's just going to be amazing when you enter the stadium and you see those words i mean if you're a barcelona fan just i mean i guess this is how you're getting all these players that you're being rumored to have as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right well the other report before we say goodbye is uh the uefa ban, by the way of russian teams uh, is upheld by the court of arbitration of sport right decision i take it from everybody here he fears yep. you agree yes jimmy affirmative Bench. <laughs> yeah 110 well there you have it desnars the neil young stand at the refurbished Bernabeu. <laughs> <laughs> very good desnars very good oh, you're gosh. on it yeah it's been a long day for desnars but he, he's still on it he's, he's still on it, it. he's on it i love it well that's it that's our Champions League. Yes, I know that's uh, our Champions League recap for Tuesday. By the way, Paramount Plus, come on now! There's a hundred dollar gift card for you. We need those a uh, hundred likes. I don't even know if we need it, but we need all these comments. Oh, because we have we have Paramount Plus gift cards to give away like confetti. So make it happen. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much, everybody, for 10,000 subscribers. We really, really thank you. Jimmy Conrad, thank you, brother. Thank
3: you. I'm just making it
2: rain over here with my Paramount Plus $100 gift cards.
1: I love it. Heath Pierce, I appreciate you.
3: Thanks for having me. We should also just have Jimmy sit on here and not allowed to talk until we hit 100. <laughs> just-
1: oh, my God. That's <laughs> so mean. Why just Jimmy? Just because, well,
3: Just you know. Because I have, I don't know. He's got my, a lot my, of energy. My, pos- my positivity brings you yeah, down.
1: That's yeah. why. What? I'm always positive, man. Jimmy Heath
2: Heath, Heath used to say that to me in national team camp. He'd be (laughs) running in the mornings, and I'd be have good energy, kind of like I am now. And he goes, "Dude, your
3: positivity is bringing me down." (laughs) I I just, I just, I just wish that like every like that would come in it's just jimmy on the screen kind of like uh what's his name when he sat by the fire for that like 24 hours whatever and oh, like when me and you did it at the beginning up. of the recap all yeah. he can do is a thumb up every time a light comes in it's just give the thumb up but he can't talk <laughs> <laughs>
4: I, I sometimes forget like when i've come out of a draining weekend preview with jimmy a, a, like remorseless optimism that like uh-huh. he's had
1: to put up with this for most
4: of his <laughs> life <laughs>
1: It's oh, long. man. And the the hour as well and all these things. Well, listen, Jimmy, I'm a positive person too, so I'm Thanks, with Lonnie. you. Don't worry about that. it. Yeah, it gets right.
3: better, everyone. It gets better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James Bench, thank you for staying up late with us. I appreciate you too, my friend. My pleasure. It's always fun to spend my evenings with you guys. I love it. I love it. Thank you, everybody. Keigolasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso, where anywhere you listen to the pods, we got plenty more to come, including, of course, Wednesday's Champions League recap, calling calcio, weekend preview, and so much more. Have a great rest of your evening. We will see you next time. Till then, cue everybody waving. Bye-bye.